The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also, let us pray. Oh Lord, on this gorgeous winter morning, we're so grateful that we can gather once again in your house with your people, with your family. And we ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and see the majesty that is you and your Son. We ask you to allow us to see the radiance of your glory. And so in doing so, we're able to proclaim your message of love, of hope, and of peace. Allow us now, Lord, to connect with you and to commune with one another so that your presence and your will is made known to us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first lesson is taken from Exodus 24, verses 12 through 18. And that's in the Old Testament on page 54. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, Wait here for us until we come to you again, for Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Here ends the first lesson. The second reading is from 2 Peter, Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. And that's in the New Testament, page 185. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverence fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Here ends the second reading. Please rise for the reading of the gospel message. Um, today's gospel reading is from Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 17, starting at verse 1, and that's on page 14 of the New Testament. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared with them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings, here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell, on, fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, 
tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And now you may be seated at this time. Invite the little Lutherans or the young lions. Yeah, that's hard for me to say. How are you all? I'm so glad you're all here. Hey, we're going to have two children's sermons today, okay? So you have to come up the second time, all right? Yeah, but I'm not going to lead the second time. A different person's going to lead it later. So glad you're all here. I have a feeling except for Jackson, Gunther, and me, you're all related. Somehow. Yeah. So, who's had a good weekend? You had a good weekend? What did you do? You watched Minnesota lose to Penn State? Have you ever considered maybe Minnesota wanted you guys to win? We're very gracious. Right, Trevor? Huh? That's right, you had sleepover with Nana. That's right. What do you guys, what did you ladies do that was fun? Anything? You played with the goats? What did you do? You went to Grammys? Yeah? You spent the night at Grammys? No. But did you do anything fun? Yeah, when was the baby goat born? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Did you name him her? Yeah. Which, Goofy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you have other goats? Well, yeah, you have at least one other one. What do you name her? You don't have a name? No. I learned uh, people don't name their uh, farm animals. Yeah. Um, do you guys, tre uh, Trevor and Dylan, did you, Trevor, did you... Um, Name, do you have animals? No? Okay. Uh, yes? Yeah, me and Hannah went to the lake. We actually stayed up a little bit and we saw like. Oh, you did? Oh. Oh. Okay, okay. So, uh, I have a feeling it's going to go south from there. So, Tell me, today is, a, so I asked why, if you had a special weekend, because today is a really special day in the church. Do you guys know what it is? I'll bet you don't. Epiphany. Huh? Epiphany. Huh? Okay. No. Epiphany. Well, it's the last, officially the last Sunday of Epiphany, so you're right, but it's known as Transfiguration Day. It's a day where Jesus is transformed, in a sense, transfigured. He becomes this bright guy. And a way to think about it is, um, you know, in a sense, he's a little transformed, right? And so can you think of a time when you become somebody else when you do something or become something else when you do something? Huh? Yesterday, Jackson, you had your birthday party, right? Mm -hmm. And did you, uh, did you have a mask when you put it on? Yes. And what, what, did, what did you look like then? A stormtrooper. Stormtrooper, right. So you became something else for a moment, right? Huh? Halloween? Well, it's not that scary, right? But so, in a way, the only thing I, the only way I can think of is Jesus becomes this bright person. Lots of light comes out of him, and he becomes God. He looks, well, he's God, but he looks like God more than he normally did. And so, they call that moment the transfiguration moment. And it's a time when his disciples, the three that were there, really saw him for what he was, which was God. What would you think if you ever saw God? 
If all of a sudden God comes walking down the aisle here, what would you think? Do you think he'd look like Frank? No. He might, you know. Uh, what would you do if you saw God right there standing in front of you? Huh? You would say hello? Yeah, he'd like that. What else would you do? Dylan, what would you do? You would pass out? Yeah? That, that's honest. I might. What would you ladies do? Would you pass out too? Would you go and say hello? Would you jump and shout? Or just be like, huh? <laughs> yeah. So what I want you to remember today is a big day in the church calendar because it's a day where we're reminded that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is God. And it's really cool. Imagine the dis disciples saw him that way. And so it's a big day because it's, um, it's a reminder that God is with us always. And um, every so often we need that reminder, okay? Let's close with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us and always being with us. And thank you for giving us moments to remind us that you are God and that you walk with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. I don't have any treats today. Miss Patty isn't here. Yeah. Okay, there's Children's Church, y'all. Follow Nana. Or you can stay here and listen to me. They're not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful that we can now enter a time where we can discern your word, hear what you are, talking, are saying to us on this day, this important day. And we ask you, Lord, as we always do, to give us a new inspiration, a new sense of your uh, presence, of your wisdom, so that we can be made even greater as disciples of yours and more effective in our ministry to those in this congregation and in the community around us. Lord, be with us now and open our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, if you take your Bible and you open to, um, to the first reading, which is um, Exodus 24, and you don't have to if you don't want to, um, and Exodus 24 is quite an interesting um, text because Jesus, uh, our Moses, has already led the Israelites through the Red Sea, <clears throat> and they're now out in the middle of the wilderness. And Jesus, or Moses, is uh, preparing to go up, and the people have been giving him a hard time. They would rather go back to slavery, they say, by this point, than go back. How shallow and short-sighted are they? But they're getting frustrated with the leadership, and they want an election, basically, right? And so Moses says, give me a moment. I'm going to go talk to my, uh, my boss, God. And when I come down, we'll, uh, we'll figure out what to do. So he goes up. And he goes up. He spends over a month there. Okay? And then he comes down, 40 days to be exact, more than a month. He comes down. And there, what's fascinating is that his face shines to a point where it's so bright that people, or that Moses had to put a veil over him so that people could look upon him and not be blinded. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's one of the more, <clears throat> excuse me, weirder moments of the Exodus. When you read the old rabbis in the Talmud trying to explain this, 
they can't really explain, except that they say when you encounter God, you are forever changed. Nothing unique there. You've heard that before. But I find that throughout the entire Bible, whenever there's a mountaintop experience, usually it's with God, that individual's life changes. It starts with, um, with Abraham. He and his son goes up to uh, Mount Zion, or also known as Mount Moriah. And there, Jesus, or Mo, Abraham was about to uh, um, kill his son as a sacrifice to God. And of course, God says, no, 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 you're okay. You don't have to. Mo, uh, Abraham becomes now the father of the great nation of Israel. Up until then, he was Abraham or Abram. And all of a sudden, he just now changed to Abraham, and he becomes the father of the great nation of Israel from that moment. Then you have, of course, this moment, Moses on the mountain. He becomes not just a leader of the Israelite, or, yeah, Israelite nation coming out of Egypt. He now becomes, according to the Jewish understanding of Moses, is he's now more than that. He is the lawgiver. He is the prophet above all prophets of the Old Testament. He is the guy that they all look to. Every Saturday or Friday, depending when they go to their Sabbath worship, they don't read from the gospel, but like us, they read from one set of text every Sunday or every time they worship every week, and that's from the writings that they say is from Moses. That's the, the, the first five books of the Bible. They read that every week. They go between Genesis and Exodus, it's from the writings of Moses, they claim. Like we read from the gospel, from the, from the teachings of Christ. And then you get down later and you get to e Elijah, who is running away from Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. And there he goes up to the mountain, he hides from God, and God says, don't you dare, get back down there. And once he is, he, he's certain that God leads him in 1 Kings, he becomes this amazing, amazing, important prophet. In fact, it is these two prophets that meets Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. There, when Jesus becomes something for the disciples, more than what they had ever realized. And so, first of all, one of the big things you ought to remember is that when, you, when, the, when there's a mountaintop experience in the Bible, it is always going to be followed by a transfigured or a transformed individual, a person that isn't, is now more than what they were before they went up that mountain. And then, and then the most puzzling text about Jesus is going up the mountain is, his, is this final instructions to the three disciples when they were going down. You know, uh, Peter wanted to build um, like shrines to this moment, and Jesus said no. And then as they're coming down, Jesus tells them, don't you dare talk to anybody about this. Have you ever tried to make sense of that? This is an emo a, a, a critical moment, a moment when people are, would try, since the beginning of time, you know, since the beginning of this story ever got known, have been trying to figure out why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus, after bringing them there, displaying this amazing godly moment, tell them not to say anything? because I probably wanted to shout it to the world. If I had my phone, I'd be putting it on Facebook, taking a picture of Jesus all aglow. But why wouldn't Jesus want them to talk? 
The answer that I could come up with after reading the commentaries, and really none of the scholars understand, they can guess like we all will guess, but nobody really are absolutely certain. You go back to the, mo to the moment Moses is there, back to the Exodus story, and you read what the, all, the, all of the uh, commentaries about the story of that, of that moment in Moses when he comes down, his face is shine. And it's, and, and, and it's fascinating because in the, and, um, the, uh, the King James Version, they translated that, Jesus, that Moses didn't shine, but that what happened is that he had gotten horns. The most famous statue of all of Moses in the history of art is by Michelangelo. And if you go on Google and you search, do an image search of Moses by Michelangelo, you will find this amazingly good, beautiful statue of Moses that has two horns coming out. And what um, biblical uh, scholars have said is that when the people of the King James were translating it from the Greek, they misunderstood the Greek word for rays of sunshine, a ray of, of light to be horns of light. And so as a result of that, since the beginning of the 1600s, Moses, according to the King James, has horns like a bull. And so, that translation has always epitomized why perhaps Jesus never wanted people to know about this moment. Because they wouldn't understand it. Because even in more relatively recent scholarship in the last 500 years, we don't quite understand it. And, but Moses, when he came down, he put his veil up over him. And in many ways, there are, uh, it explains that we as humans can never fully understand all the awe and majesty of God. We sing beautiful songs about God, but when we encounter the awe and the amazing moment or um, being that is God, like uh, Dylan said, we probably would pass out from the awe of it all. And that what, God, <clears throat> what Christ wanted was people to engage him on the human level because he's always wanting to be there at the human. He wants to be with us at our level. And so if people ever could fully understood all that he was, they may never fully be able to engage him in the way that he wants to be engaged or he wants to engage with others. And so the explanation I can think of is that in a sense he wants to put his own veil over his real human, on the human side of it, put the veil over his godliness so that he can walk along with us. He puts aside all that, <clears throat> all that he is so that he can engage us where we are because we just can't even begin to completely fathom all that God is and the power that is God. And like Moses, he had to put the veil over so that others are not blinded by the awe, by the majesty and glory that is God. And so on this day, we talk about the amazing power of God, the transformative nature of God in our lives, but the reality of this day is that it's a reminder that we, in many ways, can only have us, can understand God to a certain degree, and that God understood that and continues to find ways to walk with us. In all the other religions, it seems like God is always on high, aloof, and never with us. And yet here God is willing 
to do whatever he can to walk beside us. And so I see this day as a huge day in the church calendar, though it's been lost in its importance throughout history because it's right, on the, right at the beginning of Lent. And so we forget this day, but this day is huge. It sets us up for Lent. Lent is a time where we have to make ourselves right. We look at our past mistakes, iniquities, and so forth, and sometimes we lose sight that God, you know, if we, if we truly do it, we're like, dang, we're really bad. But right before, we're reminded how awesome God is and that God's willing to put away his own power so he can be with us, even in when we least you know, deserve it. God is with us. So I invite us to celebrate that. I invite us to really think in the next few days what it is that God has done for us and that when we go through Lent, that even when we count all of the sins of the past and we make ourselves right, it's the great penitential season where we look and we make ourselves penitent with God, we still know that we can do it because God is still with us in Christ, that Christ is our always Emmanuel. And let us always celebrate that, but let us treasure that. And let us always seek ways to be closer to God because we know God is always seeking ways to be with us. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so grateful that you continue to love us, you continue to walk with us, that you continue to find ways to connect with us. And yes, in our humanity, we are often blinded by your by the things that we cannot see, by the, your majesty and all-powerful glory. But Lord, help us, help us, Lord, to be able to take the time and to really ponder how great you are. And allow us, Lord, to rest securely in that knowledge and that when we make ourselves right with you, we can be assured that you will always be with us, that you choose to be with us. Lord, in your moments of power, in your moment of majesty, help us to recognize the love and beauty that is in you and how you shine through that and bring that into reality in our lives, in our families, in our friends, in our church, in, in the community. Allow us to always see your glory, your majesty, not as something to be feared, but something to celebrate. In your name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is number 518 in the Green Hymnal.
Please rise as we confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray and trust that God hears us. Let us pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. O Lord, when you are robed in your majesty, you are pure and more magnificent than anything we can see or anything we can fathom. Make yourself known to us always, Lord, even in our toughest of times, even in our most distracted of times. Help us to always be mindful that you, in your majestic ways, walk with us. Lord, we're so grateful that you have chosen to be with each of us and that when we are in need of your healing touch, your comforting voice, and your, and your presence, that you continue to make yourself known through the faces that we see, through the animals that we live with, and through all of your creation that you have surrounded us. Lord, help us always to see your majesty in our midst. Lord, we lift up to you all those who can't be with us this day because they're vacationing, they are taking a day's rest from the busyness of their lives. Help them to know that though they can't be with your family here, that they're able to feel your presence where they're at. We think of people who are recovering from various Ill illnesses and various um, uh, surgeries and so forth. We especially lift up to you, Lord Herman, Hulda, Christine, Randy, Ed, Robert, Letha, Shirley, Joanne, Carl, Brian, and Carol. And Lord, we lift up to you also, especially this day, Gloria, as she recovers, and Cindy, as she continues to make progress. We lift up all these people, knowing that you trust them, that they trust you, I mean, that you continue to be present with them. Lord, give them the touch that they need in the and your comforting presence that they so uh, craved. Lord, help us now, Lord, to be instruments of your love, of your, of your peace, and of your word, so that we can be apostles out there in the community, bringing forth words of healing, words of forgiveness, and hope. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and your feet as we move forward from this day. Give us the strength to do so and give us the resolve to do everything you've asked us. Lord, when there are veils over people, allow us to see through those veils so that we can be present like you are with us. When people are downcast, when they are in deep struggles with life, and when they are forgotten, allow us to lift up, out, lift up the miseries that surround them and be with them in the ways that you have given us strength and skills to be so. Lord, we lift up to you all mothers and 
fathers who care for their children and those who are expectant. We lift up to you Tara as she prepares to give birth and as they celebrate that later today. We lift up to you everyone that continues to find ways that live in you, whether it be within their own homes or out in the community. And lastly, Lord, we lift up to you this congregation that we continue to feel your call to live out your vision and mission you've given us and to keep us unified as, you, as one so that your body is made known to this community. Lord, when we are led astray, call us, beckon us, bring us back, and that we are able to live out now the new call you've given us as a congregation. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray together the offertory prayer. God of wonder, you formed us in our mother's womb, and from Mother Earth you bring forth this bread and wine. We place them on your table, together with our lives and all that you have made. Open the heavens to us and pour out your spirit. We wait for your mercy. We long for your peace. We hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, our banquet of life. Now let us pray together the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, as we prepare to head out into the mission field to bring forth God's light, remember that Christ, the wisdom and power of God, and the source of our life together, keep you united in mind and purpose. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. And now, uh, go in peace. Let your light shine. Thanks be to and you may be seated, and we're going to bring, invite the little Lutherans back up again. And this time, Miss Rachel is going to lead you all in the farewell to the Alleluia. And she'll explain what that is.
righty. Okay, so I want to talk about feelings a little bit. So imagine with me, imagine with me that I said, after this service, we are all going to go out and get on a bus and we are going to go to the airport and we're going to ride on an airplane and we're going to go to Disneyland. How would you feel? Excited. Excited? What else? What's that? A little bit confused? <laughs> Anybody you think you would feel happy, maybe? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. So excited and happy, a little bit confused, because like, why is something this great happening, maybe? Um, okay, and what do you think you would say if I said we're all gonna, we're all gonna go to Disneyland today? What would you say? You say, what? What would you say? Yay, mm-hmm, yay, hooray. Well, there, there is a word we use in church um, a special church word that we have for yay and hooray with a little bit of what in there, okay? And that's alleluia, right? We hear that, that word at church. Alleluia is basically the church word for hooray! How did this happen? <laughs> okay? Um, now, let me talk about feelings too. Have you guys ever had a toy that you got bored with? Yes. Yeah. Like, how'd you feel when you first got that toy? Pro- exci- probably excited? Hmm? Happy and excited with the toy, and then, and then what? Yeah. You liked it, and then you were bored. Yeah, because if you play, okay, because if you if you play with the same toy, you're excited at first, and then you kind of forget like what was so exciting about it. Like you kind of get used to it, right? And it's not as meaningful. Have you ever put a toy away for a while, and then went back later and got it out again and played with it again? Yeah, how did that feel? I see you smiling. Yeah, it, it, it feels good again, right? It's like, oh yeah, I really liked this toy. You know, but because you didn't play with it for a while, it had more meaning when you took it out again, right? Yeah. So we are about to, we had talked earlier, this is the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany in church. The next season that's going to start this week is called Lent, okay? Um, and Lent is a time for some, some different feelings that we talk about at church too, because, you know, God gave us all of our feelings and God does not require us to be happy all the time. There are lots of things. And when Jesus lived, there were lots of different feelings that he felt. He was sad. Sometimes he was confused. Sometimes, sometimes one time he was so scared that he was shaking and praying and sweating so hard. It was like he was bleeding. Um, so, you know, so there are all kinds of feelings and, and Lent, we talk about the end of Jesus's life and things that were going on that led to his death. And he died. And it's a time when we're a little more serious and a little more sad and a lot more confused and sometimes angry and frustrated. And we feel that for a while. And then when Easter comes, we celebrate again because we all know the end of the story now is that Jesus comes back to life. So on Easter morning, now let's see, I need two tall people. All right, Lauren, can you come? And you actually, I'm going to go here. All right, so this is our Alleluia, right? Jackson, can you scooch in a little bit? Thank you. All right, so we are going to take this Alleluia in a bit. Uh, we are going to sing one last song here in church, and we found a song that had as many Alleluias as we could find. And so we're going to be singing a lot of Alleluias, and we up here are going to take this banner. You guys are going to walk nice and slow. You're going to hold it up as high as you can. Let me see how high you can hold it. Okay. Um, and then, okay, you can put it down for now. I want you to rest your arms. 
when we go out of the church, when we start singing the song, you can hold it up as high as you can, walk down the center aisle. It's going to droop a little bit. That's okay. Um, and we're all going to walk behind it, and then we are going to take the Alleluia out of church for a while. Because during the season of Lent, we don't say Alleluia. We put it away because we're, we're going to allow ourselves to not you know, feel like we're having a party every week. We're going to talk about other feelings. And then on Easter morning, we're going to pull it out again, and it's going to have new meaning again you know, because we won't, won't have used it for a while, all right? And people do that in churches all around. Um, they just, you know, most churches you find, they don't say Alleluia at all during Lent. So we are going to put this Alleluia away, and then we will pull it back out on Easter Sunday. All righty. Thank you. 